coming to you from the Flex Fox Fantasy's brand fucking new broadcast studio in Newmarket. This is the weekly show. I am the substitute host, WizKid Jeremiah Johnson, and I am joined by Mr. Garth Newton and the man of the hour, Nick Penner. How's it going, guys? Uh, it's good. It's weird hearing someone else do the introduction. It threw me off. There was a part of me that was expecting Nick to (laughs) actually parrot it as you were saying it so that it could happen across in stereo. I I don't do it justice. Nick Nick will always be the best host of the show, so I'll be honest, it feels like a lot less pressure being on this side of the desk. Uh, it's fun to be a commentator. Well, you get to make a lot of stupid comments and nobody judges you for them. So Jeremiah has a lot of experience. He knows what he's talking about. Oh, I'll make stupid comments. I'll show. People will judge me, but <laughs> I get to make less of them now because I do some of the... Fill the airtime with my voice. Um, hmm. So, big show. Um, we're going to go through some of the matchups here that we have. Some of the interesting matchups. We're not going to touch on all of them because we want to save some time to talk to Nick about his uh, pending retirement off into the sunset. So, I don't know about you guys, but is there anything else you guys want to get in here on the show? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think that's what we need to do. Okay. All right. Well, with that being said, let's jump right into it. Let's start with the worst. Let's start with the Vays. So, um, the semifinal matchups for the Vays, which brought us the final, are... Sorry, I'm looking this up here, and I'm horrible looking. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man, this is going so well for the first week, guys. Like, really... Um... So it looks like we had Flex and Ash playing each other. Am I wrong? No. no it should wrong. be Flex and Chris. Flex and Chris. I'm sorry. Week. I missed it up. And Chris, yeah. unfortunately, won the matchup. 147.1 to 129.2. Um, Nick, we'll start with you because you're the guest of honor. How do you feel about Chris after what he said about you in his, podcast, in his uh, article there? Yeah, I mean, I think Chris is a, a real character. He, he clearly brings a lot to the table. And, and he's, you know, always, always interesting. But, yeah, I, I don't think I'm surprised with the outcome of this one. It, it's clear Chris has a better team. Clear that he wants it more. Clear that he's putting in uh, more of an effort here. So, uh, yeah, definitely not surprised with this outcome. And, you know, I, I hope Chris keeps on doing his thing going forward. I, I would love to disagree with you, but I just can't do it. It's your, it's your day, sir. It's your day, so you're right. <laughs> um, but on the flip side, Garth, uh, anything Flex can take away from this based on the performances he got? Well, I mean, outside of actually starting Buck Farmer in any you know, reasonable <laughs> matchup, um, Matt Manning had an okay week. Uh, I think there's there's something to be taken from from that, and I mean it's it's what I've been saying now for a couple of weeks. It's flex is a couple of years away from being a year away, and the way that's going to play out is he's going to need to have the people like C.J. Abrams put up more than three points in a week. You know, he's going to need Riley Green to actually start delivering more than the negative point eight that he had. I mean. He's got Corbin Carroll up. That's exciting. Michael Harris has turned into a much better player. Rowdy Telez is still useful. Uh, Joe Adele still somehow has a job. And he's got a pitching staff that is also similarly worth looking at. But we need another couple years. I I will say on the record, I don't believe that 2023 is going to look much different than this. 2024, though, that's probably when... I'm going to have to start looking in my rearview mirror to see if Flex is coming up in the redacted division again. You know, the only thing I'll say to that is I don't think uh, I don't think Joe Adele has a job. <laughs> I think the man's <laughs> going to be flipping burgers pretty soon. Um, Could be. Okay, well, let's move on. The other semifinal of the Vase saw Ash and the Moneyballers taking on Jeffrey Lim and Penis. Always good to say. Mm. Uh, and Ash took this matchup 213.3 to 137.3 for Lim. Um, Garth, with Ash, like, is his team finally reaching the potential too little too late? I mean, obviously too little too late. If you're in the vase, that's a lot too late. It's not even too little. It's just a lot. But he has a team that could be competitive, and we've seen that in years past as well. And this team is no different. Go figure. Eloy Jimenez is healthy. 
and he puts up 23 points, as you'd expect him to be able to. You know, he's going to start getting a little bit more as the years go on from from Kirby and Dustin May now that he's healthy again. Like, this is a team that should be... This is a Europa team, easily. Um, the fact that he's in the vase is, I, I guess, interesting. Um, but he should have been in Europa. This should have been... Honestly, he he should have been competing against you know some of the the upper echelons in Europa this season with the team that he has on paper. And Nick, before we move on to your buddy Lim, uh, I want to give you an opportunity here to get in some parting shots. Is what holds Ash's team back the manager or the injuries? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a a tough question. Uh, I really appreciate you trying to have me make enemies on my way out. Uh, but I would, I would say it's a little bit of both. I think Ash has had just some tremendous bad luck, and, and that's sort of been a recurring theme for him, which which obviously makes it tougher. But at the same time, you got to think that a, a different manager might be able to get more out of this team and, and be able to take it in a different direction. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not suggesting Ash copy what I'm doing, but at the same time, I, I think if he looks at it seriously and, and really reflects, uh, I think he too would agree that he maybe has not gotten as much out of this team as someone else could have. Uh, potentially done. Wow. Taking the high road on the way out. That is all class. All class. I would say horrible things. I mean, that that's Nick for you, let's be honest. He is the eternal optimist, and it turns out that that will bleed over into other managers as well. I'll be honest. I thought that was a brutal roast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that might be harsh for Nick. Um, but you know what? The harsh reality here is Lim's team continues to lose and continues to amount to nothing so uh, what's your take on Lim like where does he go from here yeah I mean I had a, a great chance to talk to Lim about his team at the the bastard party last weekend and you know I think by by Lim's own admission he's gotten himself into a, a bit of a predicament where he's been sort of in a rebuilding mode and and spent a lot of time acquiring prospects and and building young guys up but not all of those guys has developed and and so it's sort of a similar situation to the Kansas City Royals where they they entered a rebuild and and it didn't really work per se and now you're sort of rebuilding the rebuild so uh, i think it's it's honestly very tough for for Lim i think he does have a, a couple of cornerstones that he's going to be able to to build around going forward uh, but i think overall he's just in a, a tough spot where He's going to have to get worse before he gets better and, and really reboot this thing and uh, hope he has, has some better luck in the future than what he's had to date. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, Robbie Ray's had a down year, it looks like. Luis Roberts been hurt a lot, so he's he's in for it. But he does have some pieces, I think, to get better. So, let's see. Um, okay, so let's move on to Europa. Um we're just going to do the semifinal matchups here um, for the teams that are still competitive because we'd like to save some time. So we'll start with the first semifinal, which had Ian and the Staddle Monstars taking on the Midland Raccoons. And uh, Ian won the matchup, 215.5 to 165.9. Garth, I'll let you pick either team. Uh, what's the biggest takeaway for you? Did Otani have a good week? Oh, he did? Ian won. It's it's the same old story. Now, we can add Semyon to that list. Semyon has really come on in the past, well, basically since the All-Star break, if not slightly before. Um, and he had a big, big week last week as well, which was certainly helps. And Vladdy also had a big week. But I think we're still looking at a team that has four or five guaranteed, you know, starter types, you know, that and keepers at, at that point. And... The rest is just kind of a a somewhat disappointing filler at times, and I, I think there's I think there's a lot of room to to sort of work with this. Um, at the start of the year, honestly, I had I had Ian taking the redacted division, which clearly didn't happen here. Um, for him to get sort of back into that, he either need is he's either going to have to have the rest of us and redacted take a step back, or He's going to have to have one hell of an offseason slash draft period to really put it together. Um, he's got a couple of really, really so strong, solid pieces, but he needs that next step now. Agreed. I mean, Nick, this is more a question for you, but like, if you had Shohei Otani, because you do have two elite talents, maybe more, we could argue, in, in Altuve and DeGrom, and you've been open about never trading those guys. 
But if you owned Otani, would you look to trade him? Man, uh, another tough question. I mean, I would have to say in any sort of situation like this, you want to take a look at sort of the the trade value and, and what you're getting back. And, you know, Otani's a, a huge piece. He'd be a, a star on any team. But at the same time, if, if Stads is able to flip him and patch two or three or four different holes, if he's able to get, you know, uh, a good starting pitcher back and, and maybe a bat or two uh, and really build up his team collectively through moving Otani, then that's absolutely something that he should look into. But, you know, I think a real lesson from my, my saga is don't let people pressure you into making trades where you're not getting the best value or, or you don't feel comfortable. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would put him on the block and see what people said, but, you know, I'm not Ian. Um, and on the Raccoon side, uh, Nick, back to you. I mean, this is a player I feel like you could get on board with. Clayton Kershaw is looking vintage in his last three or four starts, granted against kind of some bad teams, but this is the kind of guy you always target on your teams. Kind of that wily veteran who's, who's playing out the string but has some elite, uh, elite skills, at least historically. Uh, do you think Kershaw is going to be good for the rest of the season and going into next year? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, historically in our, our league, we've overvalued youth. Uh, and so that means guys like Kershaw fly under the radar a little bit. But if you're an elite pitcher, if you've still got good stuff into your mid or late 30s, you, you absolutely can contribute. And, you know, I think if you look at the raccoon season, this probably isn't how they, they want it to be ending. I think they probably thought they could, you know, go further, go deeper and, and really set themselves up for more success next year. But, you know, if, if they've got a guy like Kershaw and, and they plan on keeping him around, I think that's going to be a, a huge asset for them and, and something that, yeah, if I was in their shoes, I'd definitely look for him to contribute this year and next yeah, and I think last year they, they lost in the first round, so this would be an improvement for sure. Um, Garth, the serious question that I think a lot of people want to know is, could Clayton Kershaw rock Ponytail? Uh, he could not. Uh, he's He doesn't have the flow necessary. There's an outside chance that he could grow the beard out and then actually maybe Ponytail or braid the beard uh, if, he, if he needed to, but... Uh, Honestly, if you if you're gonna rock the full ponytail, you gotta you gotta start that much much earlier in your life and career. That's too bad. All right, well, let's move on to somebody who should definitely grow a ponytail because I think it would suit his uh, stature as director of the Flex Fox Fantasy uh, Baseball Association, and that would be Aiden Smith Edgel. I can't say his last name ever. He was in a matchup against me, and I am always the most important person. So. I won the matchup 219.5 to 173.2, and I feel pretty good about it. But I want to hear what you guys have to say. So, Garth, we'll start with you. Um, are you surprised I won? Uh, I'm not going to say, strictly speaking, surprised. I will say I'm surprised you won with Matt Olson on your team last week, because that was one hell of an anchor around the neck. Um, but, I mean, realistically, it, it came down to Barrios finally having a week that is worth talking about um you know you had another handful of other like where where did tim Mesa find a 13 point week where where has this been <laughs> honestly yeah. like and that's fine and and these weren't the difference makers per se but i mean correa has continued his hot streak glaber torres has considered has continued his his sort of resurgence in kind bregman has continued being just you know amongst the hottest on on the planet right now that all adds up when you can have five or six guys that are overperforming or at the very least consistently performing at, at high levels. Yeah. It's, it's not necessarily that, that much of a surprise. Now, did I see a, a 46 point, you know, victory? No, but uh, that's, that's what it was. You know, there, there's more than enough variance week to week for any team. 40 points isn't completely out of the question. 219 was a fine output. You earned it. Well, and the interesting thing, I think, uh, both of you, feel free to comment. Uh, I got 10 starts. Aiden only got five. I don't think Aiden was really playing. Um, and this is kind of a big issue in the league, right? Like, we want to stop the tank. want people to be competitive. And it looks like Aiden just didn't care <laughs> after he got into Europa. Um, it's interesting. Like, what do you guys think? Like, is there any way we can, like, kind of discourage this even further i mean i think the the reality is it has been discouraged through the use of the draft lottery 
Uh, I think that the, the way the draft lottery is set up, you have an incentive to win every single week. Uh, so there really shouldn't be situations like this where guys are just completely taking their foot off the gas at the end. But, you know, at the same time, we're never going to find a, a cure for apathy. And if owners want to want to do that and they don't want to compete and, and they think that these matchups are irrelevant, that's fine. That's their prerogative. But they're only hurting themselves and their team. So in the case of someone like Aiden, I'd, I think, you know, I would love to see more activity from him. I'd, I'd love to see him competing and trying. But uh, the person who should really care the most about that is Aiden. So if he doesn't care, then I, I think... You know, it's not necessarily a question of tanking, but uh, it's still disappointing. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'll, I'll sort of take a, a similar position. The the way that, particularly in in Europa, and this would have been the semifinals for the Europa, there is a s fairly substantial and fantasy-relevant uh, element that comes into play if he's in the finals, right? Once he gets to the finals of a Europa, he's guaranteed one of the top two chances being added to the, the lottery pot this season, which is substantial. It is a meaningful addition to his ability to take that next step as in, in next year's draft. And that impacts not only his minor league draft position, but also his major league draft position. This matters. If this was a, a matchup in the vase... Sure. You know what? If somebody's mailing it in, they don't really they're not really driving for that ninth overall pick. OK, you know that I, I can sort of get that. But this is this is a shot at, at top of the top on three different drafts. That's substantial. That is significant. It is a meaningful uh, prize, if you will. So, yeah, to, to see sort of the the low effort outcome. Uh, which may be tied to maybe he sees his team as being where it needs to be. You know, he's got his 15 and he's not really willing to sort of move on that. I, I mean, okay, you know, every manager is going to be able to make that decision themselves, but it's a little odd. It 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 didn't feel right. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I thought it was weird as it was happening too. Um, and, you know, like, the weird thing is Aiden started off the season, I don't know if you guys remember, really strong. I think he won, like, three or four out of five of his first matchups. And we were all like, man, Aiden's looking really good. Um, and his team kind of plateaued, I think, partly due to injuries, maybe due to talent. Um, so he's definitely got some holes looking at his roster. And I'm just wondering if maybe in the draft, getting a high pick would have helped fill some of those holes. Mm -hmm. um, but... You know, alas, we can't sit here and focus on people like Aiden all day. But I would be remiss. Like, I just have to mention this because, you know, he's a narcissist, apparently, and he likes to hear himself about himself. So, um, Ryan Neeson, just as an aside, dropped almost 400 points this week. Um, obviously, he lost in round one. But I'm just curious, Nick, what you think. Um, about Ryan dropping 384 points on Ben, obviously somebody uh, you're close with, but in a matchup that didn't matter, and Ryan's performance year after year in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's tough, and it's hard not to feel for Ryan, because, you know, coming in with the, the season he had and the results he had, and then uh, basically the last week of the regular season and the, the first week of the playoffs to have it go down like that, like, obviously it's frustrating, but at the, the same time, it's the, the nature of the beast. So, yeah, it feels tough, and, and yeah, it feels random a lot of the time, but, you know, it's the, the nature of the world, and, and hopefully Ryan is able to, to stay strong, to, to bounce back, and uh, come at it with renewed energy next year and, and maybe have a little bit better luck, uh, especially when it comes to playoff time. Garth, anything to add? 384 is impressive, particularly in a season where sort of 250 has felt elite all year. Uh, 384 is a point total that we just don't see anymore. And yeah, it just sort of... It, much like Nick was saying, you know, bad time to have a, a two-week losing streak. The rest of us got that out of our system at the start of the season. Uh, sucks. Just sucks. <laughs> well, um, moving on to the semifinals of the championship, there was a team that got close to 384. Uh, mm. And since you're both on the show, it's great. We could talk to both uh, two of the four <laughs> semifinal participants here. But, of course, I'm talking about Jeffrey Chow. He had 343.1 points to 213.9 points for you, Garth. Um, yeah. Aaron Judge, no surprise, the top the top point getter. Um, but it's interesting. Like, 
Chow got Aaron Judge off me, who I got off Tillo. I think we both regret that, but uh, was Aaron Judge the only reason he won the matchup? No. <laughs> no, not not even close. That was a reason. But even if you if you completely eliminate Aaron Judge, I'm still losing by, what, 85 points? Okay, good. Um no, th- this was a this is a beatdown that is typically used in medieval terminology. Um, like honestly, this is this was just I got overrun early and often. Every day, I'd I'd look at the team. I was like, okay, what can I do? What can I tweak? How what what skills can I bring to bear that might in any way make a difference? And the answer was a resounding none. Um, there was only one day that I even came close to matching his daily value and even on that day i lost every single day i watched that lead get further and further um it became very clear very early that there was nothing i could do he he earned the uh the finals you know there this was not a close matchup and no one should consider that i ever had a shot in it because it was <laughs> it was out of reach literally from the first day well, I mean, yeah, I, I think you got to be pretty excited though with where your team's going. I know you're. We talked about this off air, but you've been third place a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. you got some really interesting young pieces, which is new for you. Normally, you're kind of like cycling through the same crop of guys, but you got Josh Young and Gunnar Henderson coming up, and they they've been good. Mm-hmm. So, what's your outlook for next year? Outlook for next year is is I mean, it's just that it's the the core has sort of turned over. Josh Young, Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson has been better this year than even I expected. If I'm being honest with myself, I'm anticipating a bit of a step back in sort of this production because, quite frankly, if Gunnar Henderson is going to have the same kind of production he's had since he got called up next year, he's he's a 350, 400-point player, which is ridiculous. I don't want the Orioles to have that going up against our Jays as it stands. Um but it's nice to have sort of some some young, you know, up to up to the up to the challenge talent, if you will. Um, I'm also kind of looking forward to uh, to Brian Bio as well as someone who I think can be, uh, you know, someone who will help on the on the pitching side. Um, we'll see. We'll see. If I'm being completely honest with myself, um, this year, I was already treating as something as a, of a of a reload, and if you look at some of the trades that I made early in the season, it kind of reflects that. I moved a lot of my high end talent early. The fact that it ended up getting oddly backfilled was I'm not going to say a mistake, but it was a very interesting side effect of uh, some unanticipated luck. Um, yeah, I was expecting this year to be my my sort of reload year. And then I won five straight. So that that alone got me into the playoffs in a very real way because, uh, as I was mentioning to to Jeremiah earlier, I started 5-0 and and then went 7-7. Seven and seven. If I'm a 500 team all year, I'm not in the playoffs. So it's interesting. It's very interesting. Sure is. Uh, Nick, before we move on to your matchup, um, I'm going to throw a stat at you and you let me know what you think. So, Jeffrey Chow's pitching put up 212.3 points, exactly one point less, 1.4 points less than Garth's entire team for the Um <laughs> Garth shaking his head. How do you feel about that? Is his pitching the best in the league? I mean, I think the reality is the, the numbers speak for themselves, and he's got a, a bunch of good guys on his team, a bunch of great arms. Uh, and you know he was able to get some some good results, and that ended up being a, a huge factor in that victory for him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens from here. I, I think in the semifinal he really benefited from some favorable pitching matchups. I, I think he got a little bit lucky, uh, but you know when you've got solid uh, arms near rotation and and a really strong bullpen, I mean that's a lot of points for you on a, a daily basis. So. I think that's definitely a, a factor. I, I think he is, you know, a, a really strong team in terms of the pitching, and I think we're just going to have to see how it plays out in the, the final matchup here. I'm going to leave this matchup with this stat for both of you. Uh, Jeffrey Chow got 17.7 points from combined from Corbin Burns and Aaron Dolan. Still put up yeah. that point to 
Yeah. Um, scary. Scary to think about. <laughs> uh, but let's move on to the other matchup for you, Nick. Um, and you won your matchup. You were taking on the Squirtle squad. You had 221.9 points to their 202.7. Why don't you break this down for us? Tell us kind of the ups and downs, what happened, how you felt about it, and what you did that ultimately won you the matchup. Yeah, I mean, I think it ended up being a real sort of grinded out bloodbath of a, a matchup. I think it was really tough for a long time because, you know, both of us uh, were, were struggling a little bit. We both had down weeks compared to how we'd done the, the round before, and, and it was tough to, to see that and to power through. But I think what ended up being sort of the key to my victory was the decision I made early on the week to, to hold back on a bunch of my ads uh, and just see how things were shaking out in the weekend and, and what I needed. Because, you know, when you wait to use your ads, you have more certainty in terms of, you know, who's playing, what you can expect from them what the, the game situation is, and that ended up being a, a big difference maker because I was able to save three ads for the Sunday. I got 20 points off those three ads, and that ended up being essentially the, the margin and victory in this one. So I feel really good about that, but, you know, I also feel uh, a little bit bad for the Squirrel Squad. It's, it's tough for your season to end in a matchup like that that, you know, just feels like spinning tires, and, and they had a lot of luck all year, but, you know, it, it wasn't meant to be, and so I'm, I'm glad I did just enough. I, I managed to you know, weave a, a thin line and, and get through it. So, yeah, feeling pretty good about that one. I, I don't feel bad for them at all. Not one bit, so that's good. Um, Garth, is it an overstatement? You know, devil's advocate here on everything Nick just said. Um, mm -hmm. Nick won the matchup because he got two starts from Jacob McGraw. That helps. It's it's I mean that's those were basically a pair of sixteen point outings, which is not Jacob Degrom at his elite, but that's still a better average outing than you can expect from most starting pitchers, right? Um, the the matchup itself blew open on on the Friday on the back of actually a Verlander and uh, a Taiwan Walker start of all things, um, which that that sort of speaks to where the the strength in Nick's sort of his team is at this point it's still stapled to those pitchers he happened to have a two-start week for DeGrom he happened to get good matchups for Verlander and for Taiwan Walker and yeah that's that can be a real big hill to climb if you're if you're facing that yeah I mean Nick his elite guys came to play and uh you know what it might be easy or simple to say that, you know, that's what won the matchup, but hey, he's got the elite guys on his team. And I mean, on the Squirtle squad side of things, I mean, I'm obviously delighted that they lost um, because they're always looking for an angle to win. And it's nice to see some of those angles fail sometimes. Um, but that being said, I think that their prospect capital, and I think you'd both agree, um, their minor league system and their overall managerial uh, genius, they'll be around for a while. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're looking at the the end of the Squirtle Squad by any stretch of the imagination. Um, a reload for them really just looks like the next draft season. So we'll we'll see how <laughs> that how that plays out. Um, though that being said, and Daniel Vogelbach has been an, an individual that has appeared on multiple Squirtle Squad teams over the years. He has found a resurgence in the Mets that I did not anticipate. He has been too good. For the Mets they are playing him perfectly and I guess they've got that to look forward to in the short term I doubt he gets kept I'll put it that way that 5.2% owned beefcake the rest of the season who put up 21 points last week just saying well on that note we have covered week two of the playoffs so we're at the midpoint of the show um I'd like to use some of this time, Nick, to focus on you, given your big announcement here. Um, and, of course, you did announce that you are retiring from the Flex Fox Fantasy Federation as the manager. Holy shit, Nick's retiring? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, like Justin Trudeau, it's never too late to backtrack. Um, Ooh, wow. However. Topical. <laughs> however, um, I have a few questions for you. I'm hoping you can answer for everybody who listens. And, of course, we'll give you some time um, at the end to say anything else you'd like to say. Um, 
Garth, if you have any questions. Um, I do. You do? Okay. Why don't I be a gentleman and start with you? Um, and we can kind of go back and forth until Nick gets tired of hearing from us. Okay, we can we can do that. So uh, uh, for me, Nick, I, I, first I want to start by saying uh, you were actually one of the people that I was most impressed with when I originally joined this league uh, now five or six years ago. Um, less so strictly because of your fantasy acumen, which was obvious and on display and you were perennially at the top. Um, but for me personally, I was just impressed that you were willing to trot yourself out week after week and quite frankly, do this podcast, which is something that I've always had myself as something of a dream to do. But I'd never, ever considered that I could just, in a very real way, sit down and just talk about my own love of baseball or fantasy baseball and just have a podcast of my own. You opened my eyes for that. At 44 years old, I'm man enough to admit that you taught me a number of things uh, just by listening to you week after week. And for that, I want to thank you personally, because I, I do appreciate it. And I would not be here on this podcast if it weren't for you and the influence that you brought to this league. So thank you for that, sir. And thank you for a, a question that was actually just a, an extended string of compliments for me. That's my favorite type of question to be asked. <laughs> right. And so the the question that I had for you, uh, Nick, has nothing to do with the extended compliment in the least. I simply was going to take the opportunity to use the uh, the platform, as it were. Uh, but the question for you is, as you think back over the number of teams and the number of years that you've been in this league, what was, for you, your best, or at the very least, the single pick that you were most proud of? Who did you draft over these years that you're like, yes, this shows everyone why I am the man? I mean, well, thank you very much for the question, first of all, but it's also a very unfair question to ask the guy who has a, a notoriously bad memory about the picks I've made. I, I can't remember the picks I've made five minutes after I make them most of the time. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I think the, the two I would highlight here, uh, the first one would be from this season, uh, Nick Pavetta. I think I worked really hard to get myself into a position where I had one of the top draft choices in the, the Major League Draft this year, which I think is, is you know, a really good decision I made and, and something uh, that I would encourage their owners to, to look at because I think it really can make a, a huge difference for your season. And I was able to snatch up Pavetta, and he ended up being really a, a key clog of my pitching rotation. And, you know, even with his ups and downs compared to what I would have gotten off the, the waiver wire or you know, trying to use that as a, a streaming slot. That was huge for me being able to add him. So I'm, I'm really glad I made that pick and, and had that opportunity. Uh, and the other one I would highlight from a couple years ago in the, the minor league draft would be Ryan Mountcastle, uh, a guy I picked uh, who was sort of a, an under-the-radar guy uh, who I, I chose in large part because his last name is a little bit funny. But, you know, I, I think it really shows that if you put in a bit of time and, and you look outside of just the auto-draft list and, and you know, I, I think it's important for owners to take the time to uh, really put thought into the minor league draft. So I'm really proud. Obviously, he's he's no longer with my team. I, I traded him very quickly, as I recall. But uh, you sometimes got to be able to... to think theory of these things and have a little bit of luck but uh it's always good when you can take a guy in the minor league and have him be successful all right all right thank you i will go um i can't compliment you nearly as nicely as garth did um but i will say i will say a few things i mean um i honestly completely forget how we came up with this idea or whether you came up with it or i came up with it or we both did um but i was always extremely impressed and honored to be on the show with you and every week to come in when in the heyday, come in every week, me, you, Jamil, Ian for a time. Um, you always brought such a positivity to the show. You were never, ever down. It seemed like, no matter like what your day was, I have no idea. But you always came on here like the happiest son of a bitch I'd ever seen. And I'm like a super negative person. So it was, uh, it was impossible for me to understand how you had such enthusiasm. But I admire it. I respect it. I love it, frankly. I don't think there's going to be another general manager in this league who is as positive, upbeat, and uh, encouraging to everyone equally as there is you. Um, I think to like, I've only been to one cottage weekend, but this is just like a testament to you, your character and who you are as a guy. Like we're all sitting there. We're all being degenerate, drinking, doing whatever. And you're out there in the kitchen slaving away. 
cooking and making sure we all have food and like doing everything, not saying a word, like not complaining, nothing. And I sat there and not only did I feel like a piece of shit and all of us should have felt like pieces of shit, but <laughs> like just the selflessness of the way that you acted. And I, I guarantee you did it every cottage weekend. I wasn't there, but I guarantee you it happened. Um, honestly, you were probably the best human being in this league. I, I don't think that's an understatement to say. In terms of people that I know, you might be the best human being. Um, so it's been an honor to, to play fantasy baseball with you. It's been an honor to be on the show with you. And honestly, I'm going to miss having you around significantly. As as a as a person, as hopefully what you consider a friend, definitely as a fellow member of this league. So I'm, I'm going to miss you. And the show will not be the same without you. Um... But my question, I guess, after that, after that <laughs> nice long-winded compliment, uh, my question is: um, it's a two-parter, but I'll, I'll sandwich it into one. Um, who, in your time in the league, has been your favorite manager, and tell us why? Um, and who has been your least favorite, and tell us why? And it doesn't have to be personal. It doesn't have to be personal. It can just be based on baseball skill. It could be based on whatever you want, but it doesn't have to be personal. It could be based on managerial prowess. I don't know. They beat you in a matchup. Like It could be anything. Okay, well, I mean, thank you in turn for your, your nice compliments there. really appreciate that. Always good to have a nice ego boost on your way up. But look, I mean, I, I think I'm not going to make new enemies at this time. I'm, I'm going to keep things very high level and say I think my favorite managers in the, the Flexbox Fantasy Federation are the guys who really care. And I think that that's one of the things that's made this league work. That's one of the things that's made it into the, the wonderful thing it is today is, you know, having guys who have that passion for fantasy baseball. They, they really commit. They get into it and and they have fun with it. And, you know, that's who you want. And, and I think if we didn't have so many of those guys, uh, the, the league wouldn't be the success that it is. And then, you know, obviously the other side is uh, I'd, I've if you're someone who's sort of apathetic about fantasy baseball in the league and you don't want to contribute and, and you just sort of want to, to show up and, and, and you know, not really add anything to the overall culture of the league, uh, I'd, I'm not here for that. I, I think we've done a good job, frankly, of, of pruning down owners like that over the years so that we do have a, a really solid tight corset. But look, I mean, I think this is a, a special league. Uh, it's especially because it's truly fueled by passion and and if you don't have that passion then i i think you really don't have any business being in this league look at that classy generalized answer i love it garth uh more things to ask or yeah yeah this this is going to be an unfair question nick uh, but it may also be an opportunity for you to uh, unveil potential uh, additional content before you move on. But uh, at the start of this season, you and I sat down and we had an interview on a very specific topic. Now, without revealing anything on my part, uh, my question to you is, how did that end up? And are we going to see any final content from you with respect to that topic in particular? Uh, well, that's a, a great question and a, a very well-worded question. Uh, I think you did a, a good job of uh, making it clear that, that I know what you're talking about without letting on too much. But, yeah, I would say that, you know, I don't necessarily have a, a definitive update on that project right now. I think, uh, like like many things, uh, there, there are still unfinished business in the, this league and projects I started, but never could, could bring to a satisfying conclusion, including that one. So, you know, I, I think that... There's you know, maybe something for, for me to pick up in the, the future uh, as I, I look to sort of post-retirement uh, content plans and, and goals. But uh, I, I would say don't expect anything uh, immediately, but also I'm, I'm not going to just disappear or anything. So stay tuned. Okay. I, I, I can live with that, which I guess I'm going to throw the follow on then, because as you uh, you sort of intimated even further is that even though you were stepping back as a manager of a team in this league, it sounds like there's at the very least a low-level intent uh, to stay, shall we say, affiliated, if not directly connected uh, with the league going forward. Do you have a comment on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I've I've been pretty clear about the fact that I'm interested in, in creating content as a neutral observer. I'm, I'm not just going to disappear from the Slack overnight. I'm, I'm not just going to... Uh, 
uh, leave and, and never come back. So you can definitely stay tuned for new projects and, and new opportunities as I uh, enter this next phase of my Flexbox Fantasy Federation journey. That's exciting. I, I was going to ask that too. Are you going to stick around for content? So that's, that's some exciting shit. This is like blue skies. Um, my question, I guess, and this is a chance for you to elaborate or not on your video. Um, is there anything you want to add to that? Is there any other reasons why you're stepping away that, you know, obviously without getting into anything too personal um, on why you want to take a step back? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, like I said in a, a previous answer, it's all about passion, right? And, you know, you, you have to have a passion, you have to have a level of commitment. And, uh, you know, sometimes as, as life changes and, and things happen, that, that also changes as well. So, you know, when I started in this league, I was a a college kid. I'd, I had a lot of free time. I had a uh, do-nothing job where I could make lots of lead content all day and now I, I don't have that and I, I have a lot more stuff going on in my life and a lot more happening and that just makes it harder and harder to keep the, the FlexFox Fantasy Federation a, a priority. So, you know, I, I thought that if I, I got to this point that I, you know, wouldn't have the uh, emotional capacity necessarily after a, an exciting finals level season. So it seemed like the, the right time to step back and yeah, it just felt like the 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 right time with everything that's that's been going on. So that, that those are kind of the questions I have, Garth. If you have anything else you want to yeah. throw down, let's let's go. No, I I, I think I uh, I mean I did have one other question, but it's it's very silly and honestly, I'll I'll put it in front of Nick for uh, for future content now that I know that he's not necessarily running away from the league, but instead just turning his back on it in a classy yet distinguished manner. Yeah. Yeah. As long as he doesn't crop dust it on the way out, I think we're, yeah, definitely. I, I'm still going to be here. Ah. Still going to be on Slack. So, uh, you'll, you'll still definitely know where to find me. Good. Okay. Good, okay. Good. I lied. Will you be at any cottage weekend in the future? <laughs> That's the the real question, isn't it? I mean, honestly, I I don't want to be that guy who just is affiliated with the fantasy baseball league just to have a nice Muskoka Cottage weekend once a year. But you know, I I think in the past we've set a real standard of having this uh, as a, a cottage weekend for owners and co-owners only. Uh, I don't know how I fit into that in a, a post ownership world, but you know, I'm I'm definitely interested in a, a nice cottage. Uh, I'd I'd love to be there. I'd I'd love to be involved. So. Who, who knows? We'll, we'll get the cottage committee together to, de to discuss that situation. Cottage committee? Well, I was going to say, screw that. If that if that's the only sort of delineating factor, then Nick, I will make you my co-owner right now. And then when I go to cottage weekend, you're my plus one and fuck them all. See I was just gonna say he can have my spot. Like that's, <laughs> I'm really selfless. I'll be like, I'll stay home. He can go for me. I don't produce anything at Cottage Weekend. Um, okay, so let's get back into the baseball then. We're just gonna focus on the three finals, uh, mm -hmm. the base final, the Europa final, and the championship final. And just like we did for last week, we are going to focus on the lowest first. So that brings us to the base final between. Mm -hmm. Ash Sebastian and the Moneyballers, and Chris and his lovely team name. Um, or no, did I have this wrong, guys? Did I yeah, screw this up? Yeah, I you get it wrong up. again. I screwed this up. I'm yeah. sorry. I can't read. I can't, I'm illiterate. Um, sorry. <laughs> Someone save me here. It's Lim and... Uh, it Lim and Chris. Lim and Chris. Sorry, I can't read. Yeah. I also am reading you, the playoff you... matchups wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, you arguably have the two team names that you are personally least impressed with, Jeremiah. Yeah. So yeah, you might as well mine. give them their due and say them both. Okay. Penis and Aminorath sub. I can't even, yeah, I can't even say that one. Uh, but Chris, <laughs> is, Chris is leading the matchup, 101.4 to 42.6. Uh, Nick, is this matchup over already? I mean, pretty much, yeah. I think it's clear that Chris is the, the only one in this matchup who cares. Uh, Lim's just mailing it in at this point, and, and Chris has a better team and, and uh, has gotten early lead, so all the factors uh, involved are, are working in his favor, so I have a, a tough time seeing him lose this one. 
Garth. Yeah. Agreed. Hard to hard to disagree. Uh, the interesting part that I will point out is that Jesus Lazardo has started starting again. Uh, I was relatively convinced that he was going to be a closer for life, but uh, he's found a new path with the Marlins, which is interesting to me. So maybe some hope for uh, for Lim's future. I like Jesus Lazardo. I think he's going to be good. He's been starting all year, though, hasn't he, with the Marlins? Like he wasn't closing mm. this year, right? I don't think so. He was ever closing. Maybe yeah. with Oak. Fair. I, I'm, look, I'm looking at his starts here. Like April 19th, he was throwing four or five innings. So yeah, it looks, yeah. It looks like he's right. starting all year. Not to out you there, but <laughs> should have been a closer. That's right? that, I'm still going to stand by that. Should be a closer. All right. There you go. Well, unfortunately, the matchups don't get any more interesting because the Europa final has also got a huge gap, uh, and it involves me. I'm taking on Ian, and I'm up 135.7 to 44.1. Um, but I don't feel like the matchup's over. Um, so Garth, give me, give the fans a reason to tune into this matchup. Uh, the reason to tune into this matchup is to see whether or not Glaber Bloody Torres can break 40 points this week. (laughs) There are no other reasons. This is over. We can all go home now. Nobody's tuning in for that. I don't think. Uh, Nick, any hope for Stad? Do you disagree with Garth at all on this? No, I, I think he, he really nailed all the key points. I mean, I think there's a, an outside chance that some of uh, Stad's guys really come alive and, and he really turns it on in the second half of the week. But, you know, I, I think, Jeremiah, you've got a, a good position so far. You've, you've got your team playing well. And so, yeah, I, I think it would not be surprising to, to see you win this matchup. I, I got to give this question to Garth because he's just such a Blue Jays homer. But uh, Vlad Jr. this season has 321 points, which is a steep decline, Mm -hmm. almost 40% less than what Mm -hmm. he put up last year. Um, I don't know what the real Vlad is. Is he closer to the MVP season we saw or this floor that we're looking at now? If this is his floor, he's still a very, very good player. Vladimir Jr. is, on average, an all-star caliber first baseman. That does not make him an MVP caliber player at all when you sit down and you look at it his mvp season was driven almost exclusively by his time in buffalo and dunedin and we're not going to be playing in buffalo and dunedin anymore right and that's going to hamstring him do i think he's got another gear yes do i think it's going to be mvp level no i do not but that's okay he can still be a solid and all-star worthy individual basically for the next five, six, seven years, which is a nice career, but all-star only, not MVP worthy. Heard it here. Vlad's had a career year already and it's not hitting it again. Uh, Nick, fun question for you. Vladimir Guerrero ranks where among first basemen this year? Oh, that's a tough question. I don't have the list in front of me, but off the top of my head, just thinking of guys who I can think of, I'm going to say he was third? Fifth. That's the answer. Uh, Garth, for you, just a fun fun question. Actually, both of you, but Garth will get first crack. Who are the four first basemen ahead of him? Uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, I got to go with Freddie Freeman first and foremost. I think that one's probably pretty obvious. I'm going to go ahead and say that a certain uh, St. Louis first baseman has got to be ahead of him, although I've had enough gin and tonic tonight to not specifically <laughs> be able to remember <laughs> his name, and I apologize Paul Goldschmidt. for that. Yeah. Goldschmidt, that's it. Um, those are the two that I think are fairly obvious to me. Um, yep. So you have the, the first and second first baseman, actually. Uh, Nick, you want to help him out? Any, do you know three and four? Any any guesses? Oh, that's tough. Uh, Freeman and Goldie were the, the two I had for sure, so... Okay. Uh, I'm going to say... Uh, boy, probably Pete Alonso. That's correct. Number three. Okay, I, I don't know who number four would be then. I'll say Anthony Rizzo because he had such a, a hot start. Uh, Rizzo is outside the top ten. He is like 14th or 15th. Like. Oof. Uh, 
<laughs> number number four is actually an Atlanta Brave. But if I told you what Atlanta Brave it was, I don't think you would believe me. It's Austin Riley. Because mm. uh, he qualifies there despite being a third, third baseman yeah, all season. Yeah. So it's a cheat. Yeah. It's a cheater. Uh, number six, right behind Vlad, actually, is JT Real Muto, which is interesting. Um, but that's just a fun bit of trivia. I thought you guys would like that. Um, but let, right. let's get to the meat and potatoes here. The thing everyone really cares about, the reason Nick's partly on the show, and that's the championship. And by God, like, I feel like Jim Ross here, but Nick, you are, like, destroying this matchup. 114 to 62.1. And I'll be frank with you, like, dead honest with you, and I told Garth this before you, we all came on and you were here. I wouldn't have picked you in a million years to make the final, let alone be leading it on the Wednesday. But how does it feel right now to be in this position? And what do you think you need to do the rest of the way to keep it this way? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if anyone would have predicted I'd be here now, but here we are. So, yeah, I think I obviously, based on where the, the scoreboard's at at this point in time, I feel pretty good. Uh, we've had a, a good start to the week. But, you know, I think the the thing is, obviously, Chow has a, a very strong team on paper, probably stronger than mine. But uh, if you look at it, he's got a bit of a tough week in terms of his starting pitching. So do I. He's got a couple of guys banged up. So do I. So, you know, the fact that I've been able to, to build this early lead and uh, been able to work myself into a position where I've, I've had some guys, you know, get off to, to good starts. Uh, I think really it's just a, a question of seeing what happens when the the rest of the week now and uh, how I'm I'm able to use my ads and, and what Chow does with his ads because you know I, I think that's a lot of what it's going to come down to and I, I think this is going to be a, a real close matchup so I just hope I, I end up on the right side of it um, so as we sit here right now including tonight you've used restarts all tonight uh, Jeffrey Chow came into tonight with two and it doesn't look like he's using any more tonight so you're up three two on starts um garth we we did kind of talk about this but in terms of nick's pitching he said it doesn't line up great and it yeah. doesn't look like he has any sunday starts if you were in his shoes what would you do well i mean flags fly forever and there's an added element of that when you know you're not coming back to the team in the future Right. You can play the nice guy card all you want. But at the end of the day, is there anyone on the team that you wouldn't drop to get the final chip? And honestly, at this point, I would say no. Right now, maybe you draw the line at DeGrom after he has his start this week. But at, by that same extension, the future is now for you. It's all you've already pushed all in. What do any of these choices make? Now, there are a number of options available on the on the waiver wire. Everyone can see that. I'd be curious to see just how far Nick is willing to hamstring a team that he knows he doesn't need to manage going forward. It's in a wonderfully interesting position to be in. Well, I'm going to throw something out here because Nick's going to get some free advice from me and my, uh, you know, vast knowledge of many titles. But... Uh... You know, like, I don't even think he has to hamstring his pitching that much hmm. to do it, right? Like, if I look at his team right now, okay, Jimmy Lambert can probably go. Daniel Lynch can go. Uh, Walker, he just started tonight. He's not going to start again this week. He can go. If you're really going to push it, Nick Pavetta, after he starts on Friday, I think we talked about, can go. Nick only has that many ads left, right? He's got, hmm. looks like he's done two, so if he adds four, there's definitely four Sunday starts out there. It'd be four streamers, but they're there. He could stack four guys right there. And not lose to Grom, Gossman, Verlander. Probably the three best pitchers he has. Um, obviously, that's just one way to do it. It's probably how I would do it if I was playing, playing the team. Um, Nick, obviously, you don't want to give too much away. Uh, but you do have a lot of flexibility. Is that something you're going to look to use as you head into the weekend here? Uh, hey, this is Nick Penner from the future here. I'm going to use my future knowledge now because I can. Uh, so, I mean, I tried to throw in some scuttlebutt here about the idea of, of Chow trying to max on Sunday starters as a attempt to decoy him if you listen to the podcast ahead of time. But he obviously didn't, so that doesn't matter. But, yeah, I, th I think at this point in time, both Chow and I were in a situation where we either had to max on Saturday, uh, which involved, you know, adding guys for that and, 
and preparing so that we would have six by Friday uh, or, or alternatively trying to roll with the, the Sunday strategy that Jeremiah outlined. Uh, I think it was pretty clear to both Chow and I that we were, we were both going to go for that, that Saturday approach uh, just because it made more sense than rolling with four Sunday streamers. Uh, that, that wasn't really a, a great option, I don't think, for either of us. And yeah, that's, that's essentially what I did was I used my remaining ads uh to to get to six and then i went over on the saturday and then i saved an ad for sunday just in case because that worked out pretty well for me in the semi-final but anyhow uh, i'll go back to being in character and, and pretending this is still the past um okay back to back to the podcast so let's let's get off dick and give a bit of a break but i actually agree with that i think the really interesting question garth and if we go by your strategy is what are you willing to do for a chip i mean Chow's the guy who's probably got to drop some name value dudes to get star- to get starts. Uh, like Nick said, he's got three starts on. Uh, I'm looking it up. It looks like he has three starts on Saturday. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, again, some unsolicited advice. I mean, he's rostering Zach Thompson as a starting pitcher, somebody he can drop if need be. Uh, I wouldn't feel bad dropping Andrew Heaney personally. If he's not going to start again, Alex Cobb as well it looks like, but he is pitching Saturday, so probably have to keep him. Well, I mean, for for Chow as an example, even before we start to hit the like the active pitchers and whatnot, like there are injured people that have just recently hit the like Garrett Whitlock is now on the IL, so like that's a freebie. He's he's got free people to drop in in that respect and. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Like his offense is pretty close to untouchable at this point, right? Trevor Story aside, who is just a bum, and the, the and the Red Sox are functionally screwing Chow directly by not putting him on the disabled list seven days after he last played. Um, but you're you're absolutely right. There's very few things in on the pitching that can't be dropped could be interesting for sure now i don't know if this matters um and it could be a glitch in espn um but when i look at it chow has garrett whitlock actually on the il on the saturday um already in there so maybe he's making oh interesting maybe he's making that uh showing up yeah he's showing up on the il um i just took a look at his pitching he actually doesn't have seven starters on the roster once he puts whitlock on the il he has cobb burns nola herman heaney that's five he has two guys on his bench and Thompson VR that you can argue are droppable. So he's not even at his starting pitcher now. VR was just added three hours ago. As yeah. we as we record this on Wednesday night. So Yeah. Well, probably a Trevor Story replacement. <laughs> yeah, really. But uh yeah, it's interesting. Like he's definitely got some flexibility, he's definitely got some guys he can drop. It'll be I'm curious to see what he does. I think if anything you know, obviously speculating, Nick. Uh, he's probably going to stack Saturday, if anything. Do you have any any clue what you think Chow's going to do? Uh, again, I definitely thought that he was going to load up on Saturday starts, but I decided to play it cool in my original answer here uh, and uh, suggest that he was going for Sunday starts uh, when that really was not the reality of my thinking at the time. I'm sorry I lied on a podcast that was uh, not cool of me. Okay, back to Jeremiah. Yeah, so he does have... Well, he has four ads left. It's not a ton. Um, so he could stack four Sunday starts, but I think I think you're right. I think his best course would be to just stack Saturday and go for five or six Saturday starts. We will see. Um... This was the part where I made a point about how Chow could theoretically... Uh, get to a good place for four Sunday starts if he selectively rested his pitchers, uh, including suggesting I think that he sit uh, Alex Cobb because I, I didn't like his matchup. Uh, but uh, again, that was all just a ploy, uh, and it was me being deceptive uh, in in case Chow was listening. Uh, and Chow, if you're listening now, I, I hope you're having a good laugh. You know, weirdly, I think I would start Cobb over Domingo Herman. I, I, you know... Especially recently, Cobb's actually put up double-digit points. Herman's done it twice, I guess, but 
Cobb's definitely had some higher end starts in the 20s, which looks juicy. And Arizona's pretty trash. <laughs> uh, don't sleep in Arizona. They're better than you think. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing with Carroll yeah. and Thomas and, and those guys up, so you're probably mm-hmm. right. Um, yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, <laughs> I mean, imagine he beats you on your own free advice. Uh, well, gentlemen, any other remarks on the final that we should uh, should put out there before we wrap up? Yeah, I would say at this point in fi- time, I am feeling pretty good about my chances of winning the championship. Oh, oh. You know what? Like, I'll be honest with you. I, like I said, I, I didn't really have any any hope. You were the eighth place team, but you know what? Like as you've progressed, and now that you've said you're retiring, I've been pulling for you. I pulled the 180. I pulled the face. But you know what? If you win this, it's you 100% earned it. Nothing but respect. So um, I'm pulling for you. I hope that's not a curse. <laughs> that's okay, Jeremiah. You already put the curse on Chow when you said that he was going to smoke me. <laughs> um. Well, that just about does it for us. Um, I am not allowed to say this copyrighted line, so Nick, you're going to have to step in here and and close out the show for us. So if you wouldn't mind. Take us out. All right, well, I'd like to wish everyone a good night and good fantasy.